And if you want to get into the conspiracy theories, boys, why is Binance being taken out a couple months before impending approval? Oh, trying to keep the price suppressed so Larry can accumulate. <laughs> there, there we go. Not investment advice. <laughs> not investment advice. There we go. That's a <laughs> Jack's face. I, is so I'm good not going to lie to you. I love that Jack. I love how Jack's like, yeah, I got nothing to add. And then five minutes later, drops the biggest bombshell. All right, welcome to another episode of Not Investment Advice. We've got Trung Fan, Jack Butcher, and Bilal Zaidi. We got the full beanie gang. Jack, we didn't even coordinate this. This was not like in the group chat. Everyone wearing beanies, just getting cold. Jack's rocking the the one that actually looks kind of cool. Yeah, was that little Carhartt nice. piece? What's going on? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, let me actually. This is a good. Uh, anecdote for the funny story that i didn't want to uh that i didn't want to tell you boys before we got on the pod so i went so i went on that trip last week just got back yesterday from dubai and the first day i was there i was like oh, i knew i should get a haircut so before i left i was like oh, i'll uh i'll get a haircut before i go you know it is before a trip you never get time to do that stuff so i was like oh, i'll just get one when i get to a hotel that'd be oh, like i'll find someone there what is it so we check in there we check, yeah, we check in there. <laughs> and uh, the next day, they're like, oh, yeah, there's a salon downstairs. Just go down there and they'll sort you out in the morning. I was like, all right, great. So I go down there. Men's haircut, please. You know, just skin fade, sure, back trim and the sides. beard. Yeah, yeah, just nothing, nothing too crazy. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, yeah, no worries. Starts cutting it. He's like, oh, your hair is uh, you know, a bit tired from the travel. You want me to put a little, uh, you want me to sort it out a little bit? I was like, yeah, well, yeah, go tired. on there, mate. <laughs> So, all done. Yeah, nice haircut. Go get to the end of the bill. How, how much you boys think a haircut was in a hotel? Oh, man. Uh, in in Dubai. In I'm the hotel, because I bet you were in a nice one, too. I'm guessing you, you weren't at a two-star. You weren't, you and, you weren't staying a nice at a hostel. hostel. <laughs> it was, it was yeah. a nice Here's for context, boys. Kanye West was staying in my hotel. There we go. There we go. Wait, let's not bury the lead there. You were there for Formula One, which we talked about last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your art style, yeah. which we'll talk about. We're also going to talk about UAE, Dubai in a minute, but... So you were there as a guest, I guess, right? As, as a yeah. someone, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you're living a good life. Let's let. So Trung, you go first. I'll are, do are, you gonna, are you gonna prices rate me? Or am I gonna give a number? Are you gonna do one number <laughs> yeah, less? Are you about to do that? What was that? What was that? Higher? Yeah, go on, the go on, Price go on. is right. I love that show, man. They guess the price, and just somebody else it's sneaks a one dollar under two hundred bucks with tip. With, so I'm saying one fifty. And I know Jack's a generous dude, so he's doing at least 30% tip. So 195. <laughs> 195 is my final guess. Okay. Blah. I'm going over. I'm going 250. Okay. Including tip. We'll see. We'll see what the answer is. But go, okay. Jack. Just hit us okay. with it. $900. Jesus. No. <laughs> Shut the fuck no. There's no. No, no way. Jack. Jack. Wait, I mean, what the fuck? Jack. That I mean, is a beautiful nine, haircut. A $9 haircut. Yeah. <laughs> You yeah. paid nine hundred dollars for a nine dollar haircut? No, That's ridiculous. Bro. So Jack, the thing that he did with the the treatment thing, I look on the thing afterwards. He turns it round. Caviar shampoo. Oh, for God. Jesus no, Christ! No way. How, Jack? Hold on. That's Jack, the worst. How choked were you? I, dude, I, I was, get I was choked if I get a, a surprise super size. How how mad were you? I, I sort of. How mad were I mean, you? 
I had to do the conversion as well. So it was 3,350 dirhams. Yeah. And I remember looking up before, I was like, that seems quite... That seems quite steep from the napkin math that I did a couple of weeks ago <laughs> a before we came. A bit more than lunch today. Yeah. May. But I just, yeah, you know. Wait, you what was the breakdown on. between the caviar shampoo versus the oh, regular? Oh, the upsell was insane. I mean, that was probably... you got to respect I mean, the hustle. You got to respect 70% of it. It was still oh, a very, very expensive hair. Like, I'm, I pay 25 bucks to get my hair cut here. So that was a... Uh, I don't know, 10,000 X It's so shocking to Trung that his internet's already given out. Oh, there he is. He's back. He's back. (laughs) His internet was shocked. I should have, I should pay for the internet, the quality of internet that Jack paid for his haircut. That's the plan I should be getting. Jack, hold on. Did I miss that? What was your, dude, did you even see like a price list? Like the places I go to says like men's 25, women's 30. No price list. Well, that's a lot of the whole thing. That's where you know anything where there's no price. You know they're hitting you with it. So, dude, like, what yeah, did you? you hold, to, hold on, Jack. You want me to wax your? Do you want me to wax your nostrils? He put <laughs> wax up my nostrils. I was just like, yeah, I enjoy it. Yeah, did they long, do the fire thing? The old Turkish barber no move. Fire, but they did oh the wax God. in the nostrils, wax in the ears, wax the cheeks, trim the eyebrows, and you just hitting me. I'll with be those waiting upsells. for a little bit more than that for nine hundred dollars yeah. to be out here. <laughs> <laughs> the invoice was, you know, like 12, 12 13 lines on there. What so I got had serious reaction? She, yeah, disbelief, but she, you know, we just she just found out right now, on. so no, 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 no just take it on the chin. Uh, yeah, she found out, dude. Mate. I mean, to be honest though, Jack, that was a rookie ass move, man. You're dude, yeah, for sure. you're gonna get a haircut in the hotel. First of all, you go to a hotel in a five star plus hotel, a coffee's gonna cost you 20 bucks, right? So, yeah. like, what more yeah. is gonna be a nose wax? You're looking at 500 This is ridiculous. <laughs> so Sweet that was voice. brilliant because Jack said in the group, Chase, I've got a funny story for you, but That's I won't share. That's a great share. story, man. I'm glad you didn't tell us because that was that was That good. was great, Gold. dude. We're going to have to. Let's have some more yeah, highlights. In the comments, let me know if you've got anything, if you can outdo that for a minute. Or if circuit, you're from UAE, can you tell him where to go next time? Exactly. Save that on Yelp for next time. Star that on maps, mate. But yeah, beautiful. Well, look, we're going to break down the UAE, booming UAE, United Arab Emirates. You're in Dubai, but there's multiple states that we're going to talk a little bit about what they're doing as it relates to not just Formula One, which was what you were there for, but also technology, blockchain, AI, supercomputers, uh, diversification oil from oil. Yo, they definitely know, got the they oil got money. They got more oil than Russia. There we go. Like, That's this is how much cheddar uh, the UAE has. 10% of the, the world's oil supply, correct? 10% of the world's oil supply, 0.1% of the population, of the world's population. Wild. So, Wild, right? That's how much money. So Jack mentioned before we got on the podcast that he was walking around uh, uh, Dubai and, you know, people just, it's a, it's for works jobs. People just like, they have to employ all these people to like, you know, prevent unrest, right? This happens in Saudi Arabia too, where you just employ everyone. You just give them a stipend basically from that oil money. Although as we're going to talk about UAE is transitioning away from that because they do understand that oil is ultimately going to reach a peak oil uh, situation. But having said that, Block, what else are we going to talk yeah, about? So we're going to break UAE? that down, some fun facts uh, about UAE. But it's, beyond just the fun facts, it's quite an interesting case study of how countries like UAE or like regions 
in that uh, oil states essentially have to diversify. So it relates to Saudi, which we've talked about in the pod with sports and stuff like that as well. Uh, so we're going to mm. give a few examples of that. We're also going to recap how the open AI stuff netted out. By the end, we covered a lot of it last week, obviously, did a whole deep dive. So we'll do a quick Couple recap updates. of where it finished. And then we'll we'll also recap what we know of the Binance situation, CZ stepping down, $4 billion fine. Um, and yeah, that should round us out. But why don't we start with more stuff on UAE, Jack, because you mentioned getting bumped with the nose waxing. But what was the rest of your time there like, man? Because you were there for Formula One. We saw you posting some baller videos. The, mm. the, what was it, like a pit walk you did? Uh, you were like right in there, man. So that must have been it was imp- It was an impressive trip, boys. I mean, it's like I'd never been before. Got a lot of friends that have either spent a lot of time there or now lived there. Heard good things. All the hospitality stuff is just next level beyond, you know, whatever... Uh, I've experienced like airports. Great. Hotel was incredible. Um, yeah, the F1 itself was, that's my, I went to a F1 race in Austin, like probably seven years ago or something. I was working worst hangover in my life. I think I told that story on the pod before, but like a F1 is the last place you want to be with a bad hangover. So I don't, <laughs> I didn't have like a great, didn't have a great memory of, of the, F1 event from last time I went, but this time was great. It was like, uh, yeah, just a class experience. And uh, what else is there? We did a couple of other things around it. Went to um, the Louvre. Louvre. So we stayed in Dubai. Yeah, stayed in Dubai and the race was in Abu Dhabi. But we went to the Louvre on the, the Friday. Uh, just unbelievable. This building, I forget the name of the architect, but this thing is like Eiffel Tower level uh human built monument it's just the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen it's like um has this seven seven and a half thousand ton lattice steel roof it's like this dome that's made out of steel and it's all latticed to work with the sun throughout the day and position light and regulate heat it's it's, it's absolutely mental this building so went there did a tour of the louvre incredible there's a um couple da vinci's in there it's pretty remarkable man the story behind that is they i guess the state licensed the louvre name and they have i think they have it till the late 2040s and they're building this epic art collection i actually love the way they organize the museum out there it's like sequential human history so you go in it's like the first objects created by humans and then you go to like uh accounting and mark making and uh the storage of knowledge and then kingdom building and silk road commerce all this and it's like the last room is the 21st century and it takes you from the beginning of man-made objects to now really so if anyone's out in that area definitely recommend going out there um yeah we did the race what else did we do food oh, talk about food trip well first food of all how far is dubai from abu dhabi how did you get between the two places? It's about an hour. It's about an hour. We drove back and forth. Okay. Okay, nice. And then uh, give us a little bit of highlights on the food here. And was the meals more or less than your haircut? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so the food is definitely expensive, but the uh, uh, the couple hotels that we stayed around, we went to the, um, 
Nobu on the first night, mental good. That was maybe the best meal I've had ever. Incredible. What did you eat? What did you eat? Uh, what do we have? The like, you know, the hot stone, the wagyu on the hot stone, the like sashimi, sushi. Like I didn't do any of the order and I was just there, you know, just sort of tell Sit back. Feed yeah. me. Yeah, just <laughs> yeah. sit back and just grab it from the middle. Incredible. Uh, there was, what was this one thing? It was like, um, I forget. It was like Szechuan lobster or something. Just the, like everything was mental in there. Incredible. Oh, yeah. And then the hotel oh. buffet in the morning. This would blow your mind, man. They're, they're like, they put this thing on every morning. It's the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen. Like this, this, this room must be 20,000 square feet. And there's all the different stations. There's sushi, pizza, Indian breakfast, pasta, freaking <laughs> full what did English you have? station. I need to know omelet. what you had. There's, man, I had everything. So I just, I would tactically approach each station, protein heavy, not go yes. too hard on the carbs. Uh, yeah, the buffer is just mad. That that was like next level, man. The ice cream station with a thousand <laughs> toppings in there. So it's just, it was just Beautiful. excess. Pure excess. I, I have a thought about breakfast buffets. I, I know we've all stayed at nice hotels and resorts, right? Because when you, what, obviously not this 20,000 square foot thing Jack's describing, but I, we've all probably been at five star breakfast buffets, which is one of the greatest treats ever. But the strategy is this like Jack says, you cannot go to the omelet and egg station. You cannot do that. You, you, can that, do that you know home. that is the you cheapest I mean? thing no on the menu. You yeah. have to hit the seafood. You have to hit the seafood. <laughs> you have to Trunks hit... Trunks there trying to get his money's worth. No, oh, dude. <laughs> I Love hate stuff it. for you breakfast. Oh, an omelet. My, like, my wife and I are staying at a couple of five stars in Asia. And she's like, I'll, I'll have to get her the food. And I'll be like, hey, what do you want? She's like, oh, I don't know. Get me like um, a Western omelet. I'm like, Western <laughs> omelet? Are you out of your mind? There's fresh lobster. There's fresh lobster. You're going to eat 10 fresh lobster tails. I don't go. even care yeah. if you want them. That's what happens, man. 100%. So, Jack, um, um, any anything else? You mentioned the Louvre thing. That's actually an interesting example, which we're going to go into. Because, like everyone, as you mentioned, uh, obviously, a massive oil state. Uh, I've got some numbers here. I think one third of GDP is from oil and gas, which in comparison, Saudi is about 50%. US is 7%. Canada, 9%. Russia is 16. So as a proportion of GDP, still significant, but they're diversifying away. Go on, Jack. Go on. I got one other good story, actually. Okay, go ahead, Jack. One other good story. Let's do it. So we went, when we drove down to that museum one day, uh, we're coming back and I look at the the gas meter in the car. So you got 20 kilometers left. It's like, all right, shit. So we have to pull off, go to the gas station, pull in, fill the car up, try and pay. We don't take American Express. All I had on me was two Amex cards. And I'll, so I go um, on my phone and you know, you can do like virtual, you could create a virtual card. Oh, so I yeah. got my bank, create a virtual card, MasterCard, whatever. Bang. It triggers the, you're not traveling, blah, blah, blah. Fraud alert. Get on the phone to the bank. I'm walking around this petrol station, like on the phone. And the gut, the attendant was pissed off a little bit. He's like, because I already I filled it up before I asked him if if they took Amex, and then he goes to me. He's like, "Just ask somebody; they'll pay for it." Nine hundred dollar like, fee for uh, using <laughs> a card, Amex card. Okay. 
so I, so I'm in there. I was like, no, I'm not gonna ask someone. I'm on the phone to the bank. They'll sort it out. You know, we'll get it sorted. I'm on the phone. Someone's like, oi, oi, like waving out of the out of the window. He's like, what's going on? <laughs> and he's like, what you here for the you here for the F1? This guy is local. I was like, yeah, yeah. He goes, what's wrong? What you on? The, what you doing? I was like, oh, my card's not working. He's like, I'll pay for it. I'm like, no, no, I'll, I'll sort it out. Two hundred bucks of gas or something. <laughs> I was like, no, nah, I'll, I'll be all right. He's like, no, no, I'll pay for it. And he just gives the tenant the card, pays for it. So another, another good story from there. So it, you know, that's a little, uh, people got that oil money in many ways. Man. Yeah. Just an unbelievable experience. Oil. Like if you tried to do that, I think you'd be waiting there longer than five minutes in the States for somebody. Yeah, to yeah, 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 that. Totally. Yeah. Beautiful. But yeah, uh, so Tr Trung, you just mentioned there that you said, uh, 10, 20 years ago, that was obviously way more than 30%. Do you know what, what I'm assuming it was like, 50, 60, 80 or something like that. Yeah, let's go. I mean, we, why don't we just rewind to the beginning of the 20th century? Like just a super TLDR. Here we go. So uh, History Ma, professor fan coming in. But so the United Arab Emirates, UAE, it's actually seven. It's a combination. It's like a federation of seven absolute monarchies. So the two main ones is ones that Jack mentioned, Abu Dhabi and Dubai. Dubai actually doesn't have very much oil. But the reason a lot of people know Dubai over the past two decades where they have this crazy real estate, like the indoor malls with the ski hills, right? Oh. And like all these massive investments is because they don't have oil. Abu Dhabi has the oil on the other Emirates. And, um, but the beginning of the 20th century, oil wasn't discovered until 1950. The, uh, Bilal read this in the article, but the main for that, so this area is just like a, a, a outpost in the Gulf, right? It's like a lot of trade happens there. But the big part of that economy in the area was pearls. Like literally like pearls yeah. from oysters. And but the business got crushed by the Japanese who learned how to farm uh, uh, oyster pearls. So the Japanese are responsible for destroying uh, the economy at the time. Whatever. It's technology, right? The Japanese are good at stuff. But 1950, they discover oil. 1971, uh, the area uh, gets full independence from the British because the British uh, basically during World War I, to win World War One, the British basically cut a deal with a bunch of, uh, uh, I guess, tribes in the region. I mean, you probably know, like, from history, how like all the lines in uh, in the Middle East and I guess North uh, Eastern Africa, they're like straight lines. It's literally just a bunch of white guys in England. Like, hey, let's carve out these lines of like what the property should. Be. But they had cut these deals with uh, a, a Arabian tribes. Lawrence of Arabia, famous film, obviously, was to take out the Turkish uh, and the, the Ottoman Turks who were allied with the Russians. So that little bit of background. So full independence in 1971, oils discovered in 1950. Over the past 50 years, oil economy, we said at the top um, that they have massive, oh, larger reserves in Russia. Wait, Jack, you mentioned 10%. 10% of the world's oil reserves is in the UAE. That was so, in the that was in the Economist. Thing. Yeah, so yeah. just give you an idea. Last year when oil was was pumping over 100, they made a hundred billion dollars in oil revenues. That's about a hundred thousand dollars for every uh, Emirati citizen. Ten million people live in UAE. Only one million are citizens. Tons of uh, immigrants, but like like very lowly paid immigrants from Africa and India, like working total shit jobs to build like all this stuff that Jack saw. Um, but there's also this make work thing that we talked about uh, with places like uh, UAE, Saudi Arabia is there's this kind of contract with the population, right? Is we will give you a X amount of level of living 
and like we'll give you fake jobs uh we'll get you free education but like we're absolute monarchies right like there will be zero uprisings the state polices in these places are insane uh the security apparatuses are insane and uh, um the whole region is run by in some capacity, pretty forward-looking individual, Mohammed bin Zayed, uh, MBS from Saudi Arabia, which everybody knows from the news, is basically borrowing the template from UAE. It's like, how do you turn this massive oil economy into a futuristic economy, which we will talk about. But that's a TLDR. I'll pass it off to Bilal that ticked yeah, off a bunch no, that of was great. points. That was great, man. Uh, but And you mentioned there, 1 million citizens, but 10 million population. That's quite unique, right? So... And I was looking this up, like the ethnic population here. So we've got six. This surprised me. I mean, I kind of knew this, but I didn't know the actual numbers. Sixty percent are South Asian. Yeah, Indian, Indian, Pakistani, yeah, Indian, Bengali, and Pakistani. Yeah. Like, and they're massive. doing these total shit jobs. I mean, it's not unsimilar to what happened with uh, Qatar during the World Cup. Yeah. I'm not saying to the that construction, level. Construction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Construction where there's very like low uh, safety and like. Uh, yeah, when but, you uh, say shit, to clarify, you're saying like, like it doesn't mean being a construction worker is shit. Means like they're not no, necessarily no. being protected. They're working and all 18 that sort hours of stuff. a day without like yeah. workers' rights, right? I'm, I don't right. actually yeah. know if that's true in UAE, but that's the reputation for a lot of South Asian workers in the region. A lot yeah. of Filipino workers, like I knew, I have extended uh, from my wife's side. Like I know people that have gone there, and I'm not. Yeah, I'm not saying yeah, shit work as a construction. Yeah, population Filipino, ten yeah. percent Egyptian. So like other parts of. Uh, like North Africa and stuff like that as well. But yeah, very interesting. And it and pays well relative though, right? There's a reason people yeah, do Yeah, that's the reason so. people go there. And I mean, I have like cousins from Pakistan who moved there for more like IT related right. work and consultancy stuff like that. Um, and I, I think we've talked about this before. One time I went to Kuwait, which is not UAE technically, but it's like adjacent. Um, yeah, I don't think it's UAE technically. You right, went with Google, right? No, no, it was for my own business. We were teaching out, we were teaching a, a digital marketing, growth marketing thing in this. But did people know that you worked at Google? Yeah, yeah. Well, like okay, X, good. it was after Google, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that must have been uh, part of the, that must have been part of the, <laughs> the pitch for sure. Yeah, I know, I know. But, uh, but anyway, well, I was actually teaching a lot of Google stuff, to be honest. It was like Google Analytics and stuff like that. But anyway, um, but I remember the, in the, the students in the class, essentially, there were two types, like what you mentioned there. There were the Emiratis, like the citizens, the ones who basically get a lot of those benefits. And then there were other people who in, in our class were investors or marketing people, essentially, from companies. But they were like Indians, Pakistanis, like all sorts of different uh, countries. They were even born in that region, but they weren't citizens from what I understood. So they didn't get all the benefits of being like a you know ethnic Arab, I guess. Well, like we said, ten percent of the population is actual citizens, right? Yeah, and they will essentially get like you know, if you break your leg in the middle of nowhere, there'll be like a helicopter coming to pick you up, sort of vibe. Like the the money goes crazy there for them. Yeah, you break your leg and and they'll somebody will come up to you, be like, "Are you at, are you going to F one?" And they'll be like, "Yeah, I'm like, okay, let me <laughs> yeah, fix your leg." Pay, they'll pay for the <laughs> helicopter, exactly. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so it's I mean, it's very interesting kind of region like a lot of things i learned there that i didn't know i haven't actually been to dubai i've just like stopped over i didn't actually get to go out and explore properly um jack was there anything else that you were like surprised by when you were there like apart from it just looking uh, sick surprised by no i don't know i think i think it's pretty accurate with what how people have described it to me or like how i've read about it uh a lot of people i know moved there for the tax incentives too so oh yeah 
zero income tax, 5% business tax, I think is the broad. I think they thing. had some so crypto stuff too, right? Like, I think they're just generally more incentivizing like, people. Yeah. Just like come and come and try stuff, make stuff out here. It's like regulatory uh, overhead is not a, a massive worry there. Oh yeah, that's world. right. The so business uh, in the Economist article, they cited that the business, uh, like the ease of doing business is actually easier to do business in uh, UAE than the United States. I think it's right 24th in the world. Um, you know, so, I, something that sort of, I, I, what I did mention, I'll just super quickly was like, it basically wants to be Singapore of the Middle East, right? Mm -hmm. It wants to be this trading outpost, uh, low regulation, uh, very safe, uh, incentivized business, and all built on top of this massive oil uh, 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 economy. But also of note, which I didn't mention was they have a massive shipping business, right? Because of where they are in the Gulf. Like it's comparable to Singapore's, because uh, Singapore obviously has a strait in Malacca where 60% of oil and trade goes through for the world. So like where was it? I think it's called DP World. DP World is one of the largest logistics uh, container shipping businesses in the entire world. And that's based from UAE. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, Trung, you mentioned that there. What else are the industries, you know, that they've been investing in um, to kind of diversify away? Because we talked about Saudi investing with their massive fund. There's the tech stuff that's been invested in. UAE has similar stuff, right? So yeah, they've got the companies... massive sovereign wealth funds. Like, uh, I think they have the second, they have the third biggest one in the world, I think. Uh, it's got over it. 100 billion. Wait, what other no. ones? Saudi? Is uh, Norway. Norway. Norway, Norway's right? got Norway's got like a trillion dollar sovereign wealth oh fund. Oh, my so God. Norway, well, I'll tell you the, you want a fun fact fan? I'll tell you a fun fact fan story about Norway's sovereign wealth fund. It Norway has, so people probably know this from uh, just the general business news. Norway owns like 1% of the entire world's stocks. Uh, the sovereign wealth fund does. So they discovered North uh, uh, oil in the South. Is it the South Sea? You guys know this, right? The South Sea, because of Eng it's near England, right? They discovered massive oil deposits off the coast of Norway. And Norway had no idea what to do with it. But here's something crazy. Randomly, uh, there was an Iraqi that had moved to Norway because of health problems uh, and uh, and he married a, a, a Norwegian a woman. It turned out that this Iraqi gentleman, I got to find his name, but, but I don't know, Bilal, can you actually Google it? Can you Google Iraqi Norway Sovereign Wealth Fund? <laughs> it's super down. famous. So for some reason, this guy moves to Norway for the reasons I said, like random reasons. Norway discovers this massive oil uh, deposits. He reads about it in the newspaper. It turns out he was one of the top two or three guys in Iraqi's oil industry uh, in the 70s. And he had just randomly moved to Norway. He was looking for work. And then he literally just goes to like the the newly created oil ministry in Norway and is like, oh, by the way, like I'm an oil expert. Uh, and then he basically told them what to do with the oil. He's like, yeah, you like with all this money, like I know a lot of countries, it's called the, you know, it's like the Dutch disease. You find these natural resources and it destroys your economy, right? Because all the talent and uh, and capital goes to this sector and it sucks and drains it all from all the other sectors, right? Mm. And uh, he's like, okay, this is what you need to do. You need to create a sovereign wealth fund. You need to put all the money into this wealth fund and uh, you distribute it and you grow it for the population. Bilal, did you get his name, by the way? Yeah, Farouk Al-Ghassim. And he's funny, Farouk Abdul Aziz Al Qasim. I say it properly. What does it say? Give me what is the well, TLDR? I'll just see in our Wikipedia. It says was born in Basra, Iraq, but actually I think from Iranian. His family were immigrants from Iran, 
and the oldest members, yeah, they were speaking Persian, whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a whole Wikipedia thing, so I'm not going to read it all out. But Legend. essentially, studied in the UK, returns to Iraq, goes to Norway. Uh, yeah, basically d- did exactly what you just described there. So I Legend, think right? So anyways, it. to answer your question, yeah, Norway had a big uh, sovereign wealth fund. Uh, all these, Saudi has one. But yeah, so to uh, your initial question was, what are they doing with their economy? So I'm going to, I'll tease out a couple things. And I know you took some notes, so I'd love to follow up on that. So uh, let's say it went for 50 to 60% oil and you mentioned 30% now, but still much more than some of the other economies that you flagged. US is 7%. I think you even said Russia was 16%, which is kind of crazy that uh, UAE is double, but Saudi is 50%, right? So they've invested a ton. They were, so they're like, their sovereign wealth funds probably invested in, they've owned significant percentages of all the big companies we know, like all the big tech companies, all the things, right? Just from public markets. But uh, they try to get ahead of blockchain. So in 2018, they made a big blockchain uh, maneuver. Uh, like F1, they're paying for F1, for example, to bring the sports into the thing. The shipping is massive. DP World has huge interests and in their investments in India and Africa. And then <clears throat> over the past uh, two, three years, G42. So me, we are talking about this beforehand. Bilal, can you tell us what G42 is? I was about to ask you because I thought, <laughs> I just know that they, I, I thought that was the same thing, what you were just describing. Well, there's okay, a so sovereign G42, wealth fund, yeah. but then they created G42, is it? Which is like basically the, which is the UAE money doing primarily technology Got investments. Got it, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so they invested in ByteDance. They yeah. invested in, uh, they're, they're partnering with a Silicon Valley firm to build a supercomputer, the world's largest supercomputer, $100 million. They invested or they have some sort of partnership with OpenAI as well. This is where we're going to talk about. So as I was saying with these guys before the call, yesterday uh, an article came out uh, from the New York Times. Uh, and, I, and you know with these things, when you're reading news stories, always read about what's the why is this news story coming out at this moment, right? So OpenAI, Sam Altman, we talked about last week, huge blow up with the board. People are angling right now. And so this article comes out from the New York Times. And the thrust of the article is this. G42, this UAE-funded technology organization, is run by a Chinese, uh, a a former Chinese-American who renounced his citizenship, is now a UAE citizen. I believe his name is Peng Zhao. No one knows about Peng Zhao's background. So some people think he is involved with the Chinese government. You guys are going to laugh about this. He was the former CTO of MicroStrategy. <laughs> no way. Yeah, I had yeah. Right. yeah. Dude, like that's the only thing on his CV. So this guy is uh, pretty under the Did radar. You say former CTO? Is that what it CTO, was? CTO, ac- yeah. according to his LinkedIn. That's what New York Times reported. This is MicroStrategy. Uh, I could be wrong here, but I'm, I'm quite confident this is correct. But the whole point is this. This is the concern that's being brought up from the New York Times article. OpenAI, as Bilal mentioned, has a partnership with G42 to create an open source large language model. Interesting, right? We talked about last week. Is open source actually the winner of uh, the OpenAI saga? Because now people are like, we can't trust a closed uh, AI uh, language model, right? But it turns out that the CIA has been looking into this because G42, this UAE organization, has also taken a lot of Chinese money and taken a lot of Chinese infrastructure investment from Huawei. So they're just like, wait, is this like some roundabout way to transfer technology to China? And obviously, as we know from the China trade wars, they're not cool with this, right? So 
I bring all this up, and we will talk a, a little bit more about OpenAI after, but I think this G42 thing is super interesting. And UAE, for everything we just said, I want to add a little layer of geopolitics on this. So what is Singapore's role in the world, right? They're quite neutral. much Probably more aligned with the U.S. in the grand scheme of things than China, but I mean, 60% of the country is China, like Chinese heritage, right? And Singapore, the richest people in Singapore are all former or uh, come from Chinese stock. So UAE, they're trying to play a quite a neutral role. And like during the sanctions against Iran and Russia, they're like, no, we're just staying neutral. So a lot of trading of like sanctioned oil was going through the UAE. And like they haven't fully picked the US's side. And which is, like, listen, they're, they can pick whatever they want, right? It's their sovereign state, and like that's their decision. So they're actually making ties with China and Russia, but also with the U.S. And the U.S. is basically decide like they're coming and be like, you know, we're offering you some type of security blankets, we're selling you tons of weapons. Like we're gonna want some type of commitment. Let's say with G42, for example, where you're only gonna do AI with us. Like this is national security stuff. Like this is the level where it's reaching with them, right? And uh, I mean, the criticism of UAE from the, econo- the, the Economist article was because they have all this money and they want to, any country with money in a region, right? You want to become a regional power, you want to flex a bit. Like they've been supporting pretty like terrible wars in like Sudan and Yemen and like, and, and things in the region, right? Uh, which is, in, I mean, every country supports things that you can, you can look at and be like, this criticize, is awful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and criticize. But I think you just want to give a 360 about their place as in a geopolitical sense, like super important, right? Like they could be, a, like they have the opportunity to be a player where, uh, you know, it's like, for example, they, they still run flights to Israel. They were, for the Abraham Accords, one of the first countries to sign it and normalize relations with Israel. And uh, they have a trade deal with Israel uh, amongst Muslim countries in the region. They were one of the first to do it over the past decade or so. So yeah. like they have this rule that can be quite positive that was kind of the thrust of the Economist article. I mean, the whole point of it is like, this comes out, this podcast comes out on the 29th. So the 30th, so in two days from when we record this, they're hosting 70,000 people in Dubai for this climate change conference that's going to make all the news in the upcoming week. So like, they're playing this role. There's obviously tons of complications with the amount of money involved. But yeah, that, that was just uh, to answer your larger question. They're, the, the climate stuff is big for them, right? Because it's very yeah. important for them to have energy transition. Yeah, 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 completely. Um, so yeah, that that was a great background. I mean, was there anything else on G forty two? I think we mentioned supercomputer, open AI. Um, so you kind of mentioned the AI stuff. So the large language model is open source. Is it? This one's open source as, as well, right? Yeah, apparently it's going to be open source. That's the idea, and it'll be so. At this point, they're saying it's competitive with GPT, the 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 the, the and Llama the, from Meta and Llama from Meta. So like this is basically competing with. Because Llama is open source, yeah, whereas open source, ironically, because they call it open AI, but don't fully open open It's basically owned by Microsoft at this point. Yeah, exactly. It should be called closed AI. But yeah, so we've got uh, a competitor to that One more thing. The model's called Falcon, which I just found out yesterday. Totally random. My wife was watching a travel show about Abu Dhabi. The Falcon is the national animal for the country. So the model is called AI. The bird, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The (laughs) The bird of the country. Um, so yeah, I think that was that was pretty much it on UAE. I'm just trying to see if the, we already talked about the pearl diving. Uh, let me see if there was a... Oh, th- this one I thought was quite interesting. We've talked about Balaji talking about um, 
millionaires moving. So I think the net incomings of millionaires to the UAE was the highest in the world in the last year, which again, doesn't sound crazy given the tax incentives. And obviously, like, you know, standard of living, you can live a really good life there, etc. But that is an interesting uh, thing to mention as well. Um, I anything think the else? safety narrative is a huge one too. Oh like yeah, the, the oh, public yeah. safety mm. vibe which you talked about, where um, yeah, it just feels like sanitized in a way. Like it just feels like uh, very different. You mean like literally feeling physically safe? Like yeah, just feel, yeah. Like obviously the the flip side of that is you could get like the law is very tight Strict. on everything <laughs> yeah 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 and yeah. you don't want like your like the things you do in one culture to be interpreted as illegal in another culture but it means like ve you're very unlikely to get mugged when you're walking around dubai yeah right? friends who live there will tell me they can just leave their phone like let's say they're at a cafe outside right they can just leave it there come back an hour later and they they don't think that it might be gone by that point or maybe the waiter picked it up and saving it for them but it's not yeah. like the, the incentive to steal is not uh you don't really want to be doing that essentially right, right. Well, so, they have uh they have rules well, they, around they have the, drugs and alcohol right i don't know what they are like were you you're well, i think they've loosened drinking. a lot of it yeah. like you're not okay. drinking on the street or anything but you can do it in the hotels and stuff it's like yeah. special they've licenses got, like, places I, I think you can go like clubs and bars and stuff like that so i think and even the clothing stuff like i think they've relaxed over that for mm. the last couple of decades where when you look at like travel guidance it's like women can't wear x y and z but you go there that is not They're the case whatever i tell you that it's like yeah. miami beach <laughs> oh really it's okay mad. that's it yeah 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 <laughs> they, so they've relaxed they've relaxed the policy on that obviously because it massively increases the number of people that people are going to go there spend money yeah yeah like it it did it does feel like uh it's just a massive holiday destination for all of the reasons we listed before, which is just like, yeah, good weather, good ridiculous food, good indulgence. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Well, it's just golden oh, visas. I think I was you're alluding say. to right. You invest and you get a golden visa, basically, right? Like, uh, what you're yeah, saying, the millionaires. Yeah, I'm saying that for the the tax incentives, the safety stuff, and I think the predictability. You know, like. If you're looking at it from a purely pragmatic perspective with like how volatile stuff is, as you said, like the neutrality of their position is attractive to people that are, you know, not Other, like yeah, running yeah. their company based on election cycles or whatever the, you know, the narrative yeah, yeah, yeah. is in the country. One thing I would say is like, for me, working over there was very difficult because of the time zone. Like it's a complete oh, yeah. inverse of, of, obviously US. eastern or central and that i like, think for europe though my it entire kind of thing is calibrated to that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. europe would be fine but that, that's why probably a lot of like people from europe have, been, have moved out there as well because they can still kind of do do enough it's not of too work. far yeah yeah time wise yeah well yeah. this is related why is it that the area has so many great airlines you know Qatar, etihad uh it's because yeah. literally yeah. what you said yeah. at the time so Emirates. they're six hours away from i think 60 or 70 percent of the world's population like in either direction yeah, you right? watch the like europe, the, your diagram in the airport it's just in, it goes everywhere yeah that's why those airlines crush it right they're literally the next so the balaji actually mentions this too we're talking now that you've now that Bilal 
crack the Balaji thing we got to talk about now, but if you, he talks about how the, the center of the global economy is moving back to Asia, right? It's like for basically between, between like the year zero uh, and then 1800, the center of the global economy was China and India. Like if you look at global GDP and then basically from the industrial revolution until call it 20 years ago, the center of the global economy was the Europe, uh, uh, America nexus, right? But now it's shifting back to Asia, which is hugely beneficial for Middle Eastern locations because of how near they are. Six hours from like China, six hours from India, six hours from Europe. So uh, anyways, uh, I just yeah. want to add that. because That's a good, that was good really point. Uh, one last thing I was going to mention because we had it here in the notes was um, the weekend change. And I, I didn't know if this has actually gone through, but in the article it said, or what Trunk sent me, because obviously in, in uh, Arab countries or Muslim countries, the weekend is not always the same as here, right? Saturday, Sunday, you have Friday, Saturday a lot of the time. And I, when we were working with people there, that was still the case. So that was only a few years ago, but that was Kuwait. So I don't. I know literally did not changed. know that. Yeah, because Friday, Friday is the holy day, right? So it's like Friday is Juma, where people go and pray. Whereas in the in the UK and the US, it's Sunday is the holy day for Christians. So I think it was based on that. I'm assuming. I don't know what else it would be, but apparently they have changed that. So it kind of matches the rest of the majority of the world is working on the Monday to Friday work calendar. I don't know if that's true, but it was in the notes, so I'm assuming that no, was... No, that makes sense. They want to align yeah, work, like, align, literally. Yeah. Right, for the All right, boys, let's change topics. Let's uh, transition to our next topic, which is OpenAI. Good, nice little breakdown on UAE and Dubai there, but let's talk about what happened since the last time we spoke. Uh, Trung, you've been following this, obviously, very closely. Where did we net out with OpenAI in the end, come in full circle? Well, we left uh, last recorded on Tuesday evening, and uh, an hour after I did that little addition, uh, it was confirmed that uh, Sam Altman and Greg, Bo- uh, Greg Brockman were conterning- returning to OpenAI. Um, and I think um, that was right before Thanksgiving, and an article came out the next day, which gave more color as to why the board may have made a move. So I'll talk about that article, get your guys' thoughts on it. And then I will talk about what I think is the winners and losers after, after we've had a time to digest it. It's been a week since, right? So the article came out from Reuters. And it said that something that spooked the board and spooked Ilya Sitstaver, the founding chief scientist, and the individual that jumped from, remember, the board is six people. It's Helen Toner, Tasha McCauley, both don't work there. Uh, Adam D'Angelo, co-founder, I mean, uh, CTO of Facebook for CTO, a founder of Quora, also doesn't work at OpenAI. And then three OpenAI members, Ilya, uh, Greg Brockman, and Sam Altman. So basically, they, the non-OpenAI employees had to pull one person over, and they pulled over Ilya Sitstaver. Because Ilya, in hindsight, and you know, Elon Musk even commented about this, he's like, Ilya doesn't care about power or money. Like, he's a, he's a purist. It's like something clearly spooked him. And uh, this article from Reuters came out and it looked like in the weeks leading up to uh, Sam Altman's like surprise firing at this point 10 days ago, there was a big breakthrough at OpenAI. Now there's been some, uh, a lot of AI community people are like, yeah, this isn't really a breakthrough. Like just every organization is working on this. But internally it was called QSTAR. And the best way for me to describe it is this. Do you guys remember AlphaGo from uh, Bilal's former colleagues at Google? So, yeah, where they were 
it was mm -hmm. playing a go. It would beat the Go champion or something, right? Yeah. So crucially, this though. So they built a, a computer AI program to beat the Go champion, but then they built something called AlphaGo Zero, which is a program where with AlphaGo they were actually teaching it how to play, like showing it previous games. But with AlphaGo Zero, they literally didn't do anything. They just went, "Here's the board. Figure it out." AlphaGo mm. Zero figured out how to win this game, which is a thousand times more complicated in terms of moves and chess. Not only did AlphaGo Zero beat the champion, it smoked AlphaGo. So the one that had been trained on human stuff. So basically, from scratch, this thing had learned how to reason about the game, right? This is what Q-Star basically is in a nutshell. It's the idea that you're not actually teaching and holding the hand of the model of how to solve math problems, for example. It's actually just reasoning on its own how to uh, solve math problems. And in this sense, I think it was like, like, grade, like grade school math problems. But to some people, this looked like the start of what could be AGI, like artificial general intelligence. It's like it's reasoning on its own without us really holding its hand. So some people think that's what spooked Ilya. So allegedly, workers on OpenAI, this is being disputed, went to the board with this and said, hey, we just had a Q-star breakthrough. And we're a little bit concerned that uh, we should not be commercializing this too quickly. So that was apparently what was being done. So NVIDIA's AI scientist researcher, his name's Jim Fan. Great follow on Twitter, by the way. Also, great last name. So uh, that's F-A-N. That's not P-H-A-N. That's Jim Fan, but uh, pronounced the same. Jim uh, had a great uh, write-up on QSTAR, and he goes, uh, he described it, and so I'm borrowing the AlphaGo reasoning from him. That's what I borrowed from him. He goes, though, this is his conclusion. Nothing says QSTAR will be more creative in writing poetry, telling jokes, or role-playing. Improving creativity is still fundamentally a human thing. So I believe natural data will still outperform synthetic ones. And what he referred to with synthetic ones is when these things are training themselves, because it's not based on like human-fed and curated data, they're literally just like kind of creating their own data and, uh, and working off of it. Uh, which is quite advanced and what you would expect because there's a huge limit to how much human data there is, right? Like OpenAI has already consumed the entire internet. Like there's actually not much more for them to train these models on in terms of text, man-made text. But anyways, your guys' thought on the Q-Star stuff and then we can run through the winners and losers. Jack, any thoughts, mate? No, just, just watching it play out here. Yeah? Yeah. I think what Jack said last week is like, I'm not getting too tied to this, which is smart. Uh, I yeah, like, yeah. No, no, not too tied to the, the, the second by second, right? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. It's hard to keep, it's hard to keep track. And the, the leaps in it are just so massive that you feel like you take a week off and you're talking about something completely different. <laughs> yeah. Or you, yeah. or you message directly your group chat slash one-on-one conversation with your co-founder. Yeah, yeah no, that was good. A yeah. number of people <laughs> yeah, yeah, called yeah. that out from last week. That was week. great. So you're, you, the man, you're the, uh, the man to get the updates from, Tron. Yeah, sure. exactly. The one-on-one -on -one updates. Uh, I have to say, you know, we have to give a shout to all the people who posted stuff last week because uh, Trung was on fire. If you didn't hear the episode last week, Trung was on absolute fire on his pre-workout, caffeined-out vibe. Oh. And you were on... on on good form 
but we got so many comments from people who were like, "What?" A, I literally got a text from someone saying, I actually want to know what Trung is taking because I feel like I can bench more. <laughs> and uh, there were a few of those sort of comments. So yeah, we got... Yeah, for Max Day, right? Um, there we go, exactly. The last thing I'll add is a couple winners and losers is uh, I think last week where we ended up with, on was uh, Microsoft. We talked about Microsoft, right? It's like, it looks... So they went up and down. Then the negative side was what Bilal brought up was like, and, and then I added some commentaries. They got pantsed. Like, they invested $13 billion in OpenAI without a board seat. Sounds insane. But then we also talked about they want some deniability, right? They don't want that regulatory smoke. So they're like, hey, we, we had no idea. We, we found out one minute before Trunk fan yeah, sealed yeah. barely AI, right? <laughs> so there's that. Looking now, it looks like they got the outcome they wanted. They kept the deniability. There was like this. There's two schools of thoughts on Sam Allman. I love you guys' thoughts on this. It looked like he walked away with the following. He's back at the company. He had 90% plus of the employees publicly saying that they support him, which is like, that is like dictator stuff, right? It's like, it, that's how it turned out because of how badly the, poor, the board communicated why they fired him. And, uh, and then it, it looked like such an obvious win for him, more power. The counter to that though is that he no longer has a board seat. Uh, Ilya doesn't have a board seat. Greg doesn't have a board seat. The board right now is Larry Summers, a former U.S. Treasury Secretary, which is probably going to help him grease the government wheels. Brett Taylor, former co-CEO of Salesforce, and the guy that was on the other side of the Twitter deal with Elon. And then uh, Adam D'Angelo stuck around from Cora, right? Actually, on Adam D'Angelo, did you see, I think Sam Altman posted... A thing oh, about Thanksgiving. They had dinner. Yeah, Thanksgiving. They had dinner. And that was quite an interesting thing because I think a lot of people were kind of shitting on Adam D'Angelo in that week when it was all going off saying, oh, it must be because he has a competitor and all this sort of stuff without necessarily getting into details. And I, I don't know if they did it for that reason, but I feel like there was... I a, actually think it's more that he actually yeah. was just trying to do his job in, in hindsight. And the reason I say you that is Sam because... Or, or, or Adam. Adam. Like he's yeah. like, my job to the OpenAI board was to develop AGI in alignment with humanity. And it, man, he like, so like Sam Altman, when Sam was at Y Combinator, they actually invested in Core. So these guys have a relationship, right? Like they've known each other. And uh, the information had a great article about Adam DeAndre. He's known to be extremely stubborn. And, uh, and listen, he like, dude, this guy dug in his heels, man. And he stayed on the board, which is crazy when you think about it. So this is the other side of the trade. This is the other side of the Sam Altman won this trade. The other side said this. It's from a long Reddit post that was going viral. The TLDR was, well, actually, Adam and the board members, they knew that this was a semi, like a suicide mission. As in like, Helen and, and Tasha knew that if they did this, there's no chance they'd ever be able to work again with Sam. But they got him off the board. So, like, if you were concerned about Sam aggregating power, you'd want to get him, get him off the board. And they actually accomplished that, right? And it's not to say that he won't get back on because they still need to fill out the board to nine people. But, like, apparently when they left, as an agreement of them leaving, they get to have input on who the next board members are. So, like... I know we were shitting them last week, but like, if you actually think about what they're trying to accomplish, like they want to pump the brakes on Sam's power and him and, and like consolidating power. It looks like they might've actually accomplished that job. Yeah. Not to say that they've won necessarily because Sam, obviously a league player 
and like the way he's able to pull this out with getting Satya to put his, as we called last week, his metaphorical goods on the tables. <laughs> like uh, Sam's a Sam's a hitter, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, no question. But uh, yeah, I'll I'll end with that. I think there's a lot more shoes to drop. Yeah, no, great recap. Why don't we uh, do a quick little recap of Binance as well, then, boys? Unless you had anything else, Jack. I'm assuming we don't have anything else on open air, right? So. Binance, uh, I don't know much more apart from the headlines here. CZ steps down. Obviously, this happened within a day of us recording. Well, it was happening while we were recording last week. And it was happening while all the OpenAI stuff was happening as well. So there was kind of this these two big stories dropping. I think without the Sam stuff, this would have been an even bigger story. And yeah. a lot more was going into it. Um, CZ, obviously, billionaire, founder, you know, one of the most important, in air quotes, people in crypto um so binance was hit with a 4.3 billion dollar fine uh one of the largest financial compliance uh sort of fines has ever been um anything else on that because i i don't know much more about it it, it looks like uh, well jack do you have any thoughts on the binance i don't even know it was a co-mingling of funds right that was the the basis of it I think the hit, the, the thrust of it was more the port, uh, KYC, know your customer, and uh, AML, anti-money uh, laundering. Right, yeah, like, right, right. It looks like they were able to grow into the biggest crypto exchange in the world because they literally weren't even looking, they weren't even asking for ID. Like, right. th- this, was a, th- this was a feature, not a bug, right? Like, they were just like, grow it as big as possible. And for their hands-off approach, it facilitated, obviously, a lot of these Iranian terrorists, funding for Hamas. Like, this is what the uh, DOJ's, Department of Justice's uh, uh, suit and uh, charges against a war. So there's a couple of things I'd add is it, it looks like he will be going to prison for as much as 18 months. Basically, they said that the more they pay or the more that they are able to put compliance policies in place, it will limit his prison time. So like, it looks like CZ might be going to jail. So, which is kind of wild when you think about it. Yeah, you said a wild. year ago, both SBF and CZ would be going to jail mm. for, and I would want to separate without knowing the details. I think what SBF did from what we know was straight up fraud, like, you know, terrible, terrible stuff. It was no, omission yeah, yeah. versus commission. It was a crime exactly. of commission, right? He was yeah. uh, willingly doing it. it. And then CZ was just like basically looking, not, I don't even away know sort of thing, better or, or worse to be away, right? He's like, he just wasn't even like, for them to say let's grow as big as possible is like just to have zero guardrails in place also resulted in a lot of very bad things happening, right? Like Yeah, that's a fair things. point, actually. Um, yeah, yeah, good but point. But like, I'd also take the funding of terrorist organizations with a, a, a grain of salt in the sense of like a lot of the U.S. government that doesn't like crypto, they're just throwing that out there. Funding of terrorist organizations by crypto. But then the whole point is like, well, actually, like straight fiat is also funding. Yeah, yeah, of, of course. Ter- exactly. Right? It's like, yeah, yeah. That's the other part of it. Uh, what I would say is with Binance particularly, was like they were so cool with it to grow their business to the size that it did, right? And like CZ at the end of the day, this guy's still worth 20, 30 bill. So he's going to do a, a year in prison. The, the, Binance will pay $4 billion of fines. Allegedly, he'll do a year. I don't actually know if he will. Sentencing's in February. But, uh, you still walk away with a ton, right? And um, what, I don't know whether or not that should be. Like. It sounds like the the settlement is similar to what happened with uh, what's the other individual, the really uh, the great writer, really good crypto writer. We often talk about. 
Um, uh, Crypto Hayes. You used to run the exchange. Who's Arthur the other? Crypto Hayes. Oh, the Hayes. Yeah, Crypto Hayes. Yeah, yeah, Arthur Hayes. Yeah. He had a similar agreement with the government. It was like basically he was a Bitfinex. Was basically yeah, so, yeah. running an exchange that had zero guardrails in place in terms of AML and KYC. Uh, it never got as big as Binance, but he was under investigation and basically was basically on the run from the United States government for a long time. Uh, so yeah, I'll uh, I'll add all. What else is it? It looks like everything we talked about, whether or not the securities turns out they're all securities. <laughs> yeah, that's how um, I, I would put it. Yeah. I don't, I don't really have much more to add on CZ apart from it is kind of wild just like I said to think both of those guys if they if he does end up in jail as well that's kind of wild I mean the, the, I guess one other question for you guys is how that's if or the lack of impact is had on actual price action and the value of Bitcoin and Ethereum and other assets I mean it's been generally up this year um, mm-hmm. and some people were saying well look how resilient this thing is even you know these two massive centralized exchanges uh have you know had massive issues obviously one actually going down Binance is still around but getting in trouble hasn't necessarily tanked the whole thing um what would you guys have any opinions on that or thoughts i feel like the the two narratives are like the uh institutional approval larry fink on cnbc saying this is you know Digital store value, what do you say? I, I forget the exact language yeah, like used, digital, but it feels gold, like digital store value, yeah. those two things have balanced each other out to the point where there is an impending ETF approval or multiple approvals to the point where a single exchange and Binance as a American exchange, I don't believe has been uh, either not in action for a long time because they have Binance US, right? And didn't they charge... Yeah, like I think they were the biggest one in the world, but not for US, obviously. Right, right. Outside so I think that US has something to do with it too. Seems like Coinbase is the no, the last one standing in terms of the uh, the like they seem to have with been able to withstand the uh, the governmental probes to date. I think they. I think there was something filed against Kraken last week. Was it uh, SEC Kraken? Um, but yeah, it feels like the maybe a year ago this happening would have a very different impact on the market than after all of these quote unquote uh, reputable institutions have endorsed it in the last few months. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think that's a good way to put it. Trying Maybe it's just else? what Sailor's been saying, dude. It's Bitcoin. There's nothing else. Just don't make a call. Like what Jack's don't, been don't telling me to do. What Jack's been telling me and Bilal's been telling me to do for the last 30 months. Just put, man, get cold storage, brother. Put it under the kettlebell. That's <laughs> okay. it. Yeah. Keep it simple. Trunk. It's gone from one, it was it? Gone from 1% to 5% now. That's the like... Uh, What's that? What What's the one to five percent? Oh, one percent. You know, like the financial advisor, uh, oh, one like percent the, in the generic in Bitcoin, just in case. I feel like the generic percentage is creeping up mm. over the last few years. As again, as like the asset gets more support, and if you want to get into the conspiracy theories, boys, why is Binance being taken out a couple months before impending? Here we go. Oh. Tin foil keep hat the price suppressed segment. So Larry can accumulate. 
There we go. No investment advice. No investment advice. There we go. That's a Jack's face. I'm not gonna lie to you. I love that Jack. I love how Jack's like, yeah, I got nothing to add. And then five minutes later, drops the biggest bombshell. We, we know what Jack's feed looks like because we, we get these yeah. pings where it's like there's literally one like 22 impressions, but the most, the, the best tweet I've ever you seen in my are, life. You, you guys do not understand what, like what Lyle said. Jack is feeding, he's on some I don't know separate, where he's I don't even know what timeline this guy is on. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. But the alpha that he's pulling off from these timelines, which I'm not capitalizing <laughs> on at all. Is incredible. Comedic but, alpha. Comedic yeah, comedic alpha. alpha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not no, that's a great point. Though, yeah, we'll great way to ETF. Well, here's a larger question: When these ETFs launch, do you even need these exchanges? That's an honest question, because I think I think the twenty one twenty two scared a lot of normies yeah, like question. me from yeah. dicking. Like these these exchanges are making so much money from fees, right? Did somebody just send a fee like on one of our chats this morning about the uh, open sea fees? What was OpenSea? Oh yeah, fee I think Jack sent this that. time last year, like three hundred million. Oh yeah, I have it here. It was. And what like is it now? Four, I think. But I that I think know. is more so because the NFT market's down so much. No, but I like how it. different and is also that from the fees. trading shit coins? Like how much fees were being made from trading? Oh shit yeah, coins? you're right. Yeah, yeah, just right? the value. Yeah, January yeah. twenty two was three eighty seven, million. November twenty three, one point nine. That, that is a two hundred X decrease. percent drop in trading volume or fees whatever they pulled right but the whole point is this think extrapolate that to the buy because dude so actually i got i do have a couple more binance thoughts i know we got to wrap up by uh uh in five minutes but let's keep going so richard tang uh the company's global head of regional marketing is a new ceo uh cz stepped down okay so here's Wait, what was his role? Sorry, I, I missed that. He was a global head of regional markets. Okay, I have no idea what that means. This was like me trying to explain <laughs> regional AGI last markets. week. Yeah, I have no idea what markets. that means. So, well, there's two things I'll add. Okay, you know what? There's three things I'll add. Trump has thoughts. Okay, let's go. So number one, as part of this settlement agreement, the U.S. government is having like bi-weekly check-ins with Binance now. Like they're check FinCEN, the U.S. like financial uh, regulator, one of the arms. They're going to be checking Binance books nonstop for the next five years. This is part of them letting them operate. So just give you an idea. Binance is basically an arm of the U.S. government at this point. Like for them to operate anywhere near the United States. They're going to have to show them everything. So that's huge AML KYC cost, but that is like par for the course for any normal financial institution, right? Second thing, finance is being allowed to operate. So on the day of the news, I think a billion dollars of assets were pulled off the off the exchange. So first of all, uh, here let me get, let me give this disclaimer. I have some money invested in Coinbase, uh, the uh, the actual stock itself. Yeah, this was me at the peak, being a total like re- reconstructing uh, <laughs> Kathy Wood's arc. And I'm, I'm just saying I'm not doing very yeah, well. Yeah, they send on that email out Coinbase. every day, and you're like, yeah. oh, they bought. Uh, yeah, thanks Coinbase guys, you today, bought more. Yeah. So. I own some Coinbase, but what I'll say is this. Why isn't more money getting pulled out of Binance? Do we expect Binance to be a going concern, honestly, in the next 10 years? Maybe. But the U.S. government, is their, their nose is all up in it now. And like Jack said, maybe this is just a slow death. They're going to grind it down until Larry, big Larry, 
Like you don't want to spook the market. If they shut down Binance, that's going to spook the market. But if you slow play it the way they're doing right now, you're keeping the prices where they're at. Let Larry accumulate. What's Larry's fee going to be? Yeah. 1%? Yeah, what's Larry's fee going to be? Right? We don't, I don't know. I don't know, dude. What is it You're typically from on an ETF? ETF? That's what oh, you mean. No. Yeah, what is it? Well, it well, depends. It's if it's a Vanguard, ETF, it's at 0.1. But 30 basis points. ETF yeah. is at 30 basis points. So 0.3 but, for BlackRock, but like if it's a Vanguard, it's 10 trillion. Yeah. On 10 trillion, though, boy. Yeah, that's a well, what, what is uh, the GPTC right now? What is the <laughs> That's higher, right? That's must yeah, be It's high. 2%. That's So even if Fink did 1%, it's half. Right? Ramit Zafi is crying on both accounts on that side. Yeah. There. He's like, it's, it's crypto and it's 2% fee. Crazy. Listen, I don't know if our boy Ramit lives there. He's the man. I've chatted with he him a bit on, yeah, uh, yeah. on X. But if you're listening, man, happy to have you on on any future episode. We should get but, him on. Yeah, we should get him on, man. Um, but Shrunk, did you have, because you said three points. Was Did you already cover yeah, those? Yeah, uh, my third point I'll was. I'll add one more before, after as well. No, I have no third point. You can do the third point. Well, to, to answer your original question, which was, do we need centralized exchanges? I think you, one of you to ask. I think you did. My short answer to that is yes, because as the market grows and more normies in air quotes use things, use crypto and interact with it, you're going to need the equivalent of a Chase Bank where you feel comfortable that, you know, which is basically Coinbase in the US, right? Like I think Coinbase, this strengthens Coinbase because they, I'm assuming have all the AML and the anti-money laundering stuff in place. Uh, they also have the KYC, know your customer stuff in place. They're compliant. And I'm assuming Gemini is as well because they're US based, owned by the Vinkovos twins. So as much as, so I think it will split in two, like the population of people, if crypto continues to be a thing, long term, which I think it will be, uh, inshallah, and also um, will continue to grow. If that's the case, I think there'll be kind of a split. There'll be the philosophical, purist, Balaji style stuff around, you know, what we talk about putting under your kettlebell, owning your own money, not having a, an intermediary middleman. And that will still be around, but there will also be lots of people who just see it as an asset class and they're going to either have it in their 401k or like whatever Vanguard or equivalent whatever fund. Big Larry tells them. Big to do. Larry tells them to do BlackRock, <laughs> or they they're just gonna buy some and keep it in Coinbase because that's how most people are used to using uh, banks and anything financial. They feel comfortable doing that. So I do think centralized exchanges are still important for that reason. Um, in the same way we've talked about on the pod before about how wallets, like crypto wallets, are amazing in some ways that you can you know, memorize a number, a, a, a seed phrase, and basically walk around with money in your head. Or like you can go and open up a wallet in any country as long as you've got internet access um, that has access to all your money on the blockchain. That's amazing, but most people aren't going to do that. Most people want to log in with their face ID or a pin code and see their money there and feel comfortable. So long-term, I think you're going to have both. That might be an obvious answer, but that, that was the answer to your original question. Well, I guess then the question becomes, uh, and I, I agree with a lot of your assessment on investment advice, is uh, <laughs> is I guess then it becomes uh, if you're gonna have both, how many exchanges do you actually need, right? And what is and what is the the maximum value? Yeah, like what is a I think it's Uber Lyft, right? It's it's yeah. like Coinbase eight percent, twenty percent Gemini or Kraken or whoever else is left. That's probably how I think it plays out, but. Uh, or, and then you'll get the regional ones like Binance or whoever is going to run Asia market. 
I don't know. I mean, the hope is you don't really need them and people, there's enough solutions where you actually create wallets and interfaces where you can recover your money and feel comfortable having it that it's not under a kettlebell. But we're like in 2023 going 2024 and we still don't have that at mass scale. So I, you know, hopefully that changes. But uh, at the moment, we're not there. Man. I love how like we we were throw we think they're throwaway topics and we get meaty. There we like, go. I thought Binance would just be a quick news snippet, and then Bilal <laughs> drops his multiple wallet future prognostication, not investment advice. Multi sig. Uh, there we and go. And then multi sig, and then Jack comes in with the full tinfoil hat. He's there just like, go. boys, hold on a second. Let me put on this triangle tinfoil hat. Big Larry's buying right? up <laughs> some stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Big Larry's bags. We'll see, boys. We'll see. Dude, we'll see. Is there anything more like on Jack's Big Larry bags point? Can we have Big Larry's bags? Yeah, I've see? heard another. You want another conspiracy? Yeah, theory, it's the tinfoil hat segment. That's how we got to end every show from now on. There we go. Trying to go and so, tell us about the Canadian s- pres- uh, prime minister later. <laughs> no, go, go, go on, Jack. I don't have the I don't have the steel man for this, so maybe I shouldn't be uh, nope. shouldn't be mentioning Throw it. Throw it up. But uh, people have been talking about the discrepancy between the Bitcoin hash rate and the price. So the amount of mm. the amount of energy going into the mining network versus the price, and there might be some OTC deals going on to not move. The markets on the exchanges on the front ends to amass a position for BlackRock et al. <laughs> et al. And wait. Well, we're on JSTOR right now. Wait for that it. announcement. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Can, hold on. Can we actually say something? How cynical. I mean, I'm, I'm being honest here. When Larry Fink started going on these TV stations and like CNBC, Bloomberg, talking about the merits of uh of uh bitcoin knowing what with everyone knowing in plain sight what he was doing behind the scenes i'm like this is the most cynical shit in the world man it is just like what nah, he was trolley, waiting all this time to then talk his book yeah tell me the incentive and i'll tell you the outcome simple yeah, yeah. charlie munger right so simple right that's all. This is That's definitely it, not investment advice. We gotta throw that in yeah. there because that. No, is... this is all not investment advice. Well, but I'm not buying up because <laughs> I'm, after all that, I'm not buying up. I'm still waiting. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. You're well, waiting for I, the the that increase. Then you're gonna well, jump well, on the train. I told you guys I needed to hit 45k just for me to break even. Break even, yeah. Because I was drinking the Kool Aid so hard, hitting the I was hitting the bid on 68k on GPTC like two years ago. Oh my Respect. goodness, man. Man. When this, if it hits 100K, you it's only a loss if you sell, Trunk. <laughs> yeah, Trunk, your Bitcoin break even is my toad break even, yeah. buying at the height almost. So, uh, yeah. Guys, Any, all right, so boys, good. I think that's a good way to wrap it up. Well, Unless yeah, you have anything uh, else, let me know. Well, so next week, this time, it'll be uh, the fifth. So, actually, listeners, I think we're going to have a couple of uh, double records coming up. Yeah, probably yeah. closer to Christmas as well. But yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get some doubles going, some AMAs going. I think a lot of people enjoy the AMAs. Like some people ask me just to do it every week, like a second That's segment true. of the show. But I think we'll we'll save it for well, a full episode. Well, let's do something, too. right? Guys, yeah. we never ask you for anything, ever. Well, sometimes we do. We sometimes ask you to share and review. Well, that's what I'm going to ask you to do. <laughs> Listen, we don't need, we're doing this anyways, people. Like you already see, so we're almost three years in, zero advertisers. 
Although I do want to give it a shout out to C4 pre-workout. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're not advertising with not us. Not advertising. But, yeah, but, I just know. want to say, like, based on the amount of comments I got last week, I just want to thank you for like hyping me up five scoops in, and like let's tag C4 had, in the comments. There yeah. we go. <laughs> Rafa, let's cut this permissionless ad as Jack yeah. would describe it. And let's yeah. Just, yeah, let's just throw it up, man. Let's just throw it up as a as a tweet, and I'll at them. C4. Maybe you got the athletic greens, coke cohort of uh, pod- <laughs> sponsored yeah. podcasts and then you got the c4 cohort yo i will say the, the other one i had a of supplements we got the meditation apps i got an email from one of them about ads uh, recently yeah and i was like great contrast uh, that's calm, a great contrast calm, uh, that well we're giving them free shout outs again should but be like, let's see if trunk uses it for one week what happens there's the barbell right there there we go so uh, um c4 so listeners and calm just together. share you know we're coming at you with the purest of intentions, not giving investment advice. Exactly. Like that, well, no, that's what we're here for. We're not these fake gurus, okay? Although Jack is a bit of a guru. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Jack's a bit of a guru. <laughs> He'll never say like so. Jack's he doesn't like, like that. that. But uh, listen, people, thank you. We, we enjoy your support. We love your support. And uh, we'll be back next week. Yeah. Have a good one, everyone. We'll see you next week. Cheers. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye.